0: It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the sports fan, presented by JK Contracting. Ready! Break! Now, from the WATH studios,
1: here's Ethan Sargent. Good evening, Southeast Ohio, and welcome to the Sports Fan a packed house here in the WATH studio as it is Thursday and finally we are going to get our boots off the ground with something we're all very excited about our little AFC North Roundtable show. We got a lot to talk about. We got some games to break down from last week, and we've got games to break down this coming week. And then there's some other things non AFC North related we got to talk about, including a pretty big visitor coming to Athens this weekend. Let me introduce our guests over here on the far side. Our Browns representative, none other than the man himself, Mr. DeRon. Is Sethna, and then our Ravens representative, Mr. Cedric Granger, the voice of the Bulldogs. Eventually, one of these days, we will get Max Brunke in here. Um, I, I do believe next week he said that he will be able to get in on um, Thursday, so we should have our full um, Thursday roundtable set for next week uh, for the AFC North, and there'll be lots to talk about this week. Uh, so I think we'll start the show off by going back, and then we'll talk about the matchups that we are looking ahead to, of course another couple of divisional matchups this weekend. Let's start with... The football that we saw this past Sunday. And let's start with a game that uh, probably most of the eyes around Southeast Ohio were on. The Battle of Ohio between Cincinnati and Cleveland. And it was pretty much all Browns from the jump. Cleveland wins it 24-3. Burrow, not his usual self. 14 of 31 passing for 82 yards. 2.6 yards for completion. He was sacked twice. He did not throw any interceptions, but no touchdowns. Bengals didn't score a touchdown. Their only points was an Evan McPherson field goal in the third quarter. Deshaun Watson didn't exactly light up this stat sheet himself. 16 of 29 for 154 yards and a touchdown, but an interception was sacked three times. Deshaun also had five rushes for 45 yards and a score. Darius, what are your instant thoughts about this victory? Where do you think it puts your Cleveland Browns team?
2: Well, the real standout to me with the Cleveland Browns this past Sunday was on the other side of the ball defensively. This was probably the best I've ever seen the Cleveland Browns secondary play. Denzel Ward, that was an unbelievable performance. I mean, when you needed him to break up the pass, and he was on Jamar Chase quite a bit on Sunday, he did it at the right at the right time. You know, Joe Burrow, yeah, you know the, the stats do say that he didn't throw the ball very well, and that's just because his receivers were smothered by this Brown secondary. Really impressive performance by Greg Newsome. Martin Emerson, who is a second-year corner, he's really been stepping up, and it's been super impressive to see him grow. So, I mean, and then up front, you got Miles Garrett, one of the best edge, rush- edge rushers in all of football. So, yes, the Browns, even though they did score 24 points, you could definitely tell they were struggling offensively. To me, it was the defense that, Stepped up on Sunday and really got the job. Yeah,
1: I, I, I 100% agree. I think that uh, it was a really dominant defensive performance for the Browns. We talked about it last week. We said that that was going to be the key matchup. How will the new look defense look with the new pieces with Jim Schwartz? I think they passed their first test. I think it's fair to say. Um, they did a really good job, like you said, of, of bracketing the Bengals. Uh, you know, they've got the star three headed monster of receivers. Not so much in Cleveland. The Browns just kept everything in front of them. Uh, Uh, I remember the biggest play of the game, in my opinion, it was 10-3 Cleveland, and the Bengals had the ball, and they had probably their most positive offensive drive maybe of the entire day. They got that pass interference on Denzel Ward on Jamar Chase, which is a really smart penalty when you think about what happened next. Third and eight. This is a classic Bengals play. It was a goal ball to T. Higgins, and it was Grant Delpit, the safety other guy who I thought had a phenomenal day, breaking it up. You know, Grant Delpit is about five inches shorter than T. Higgins, and T can get up. And T. Higgins, by the way, targeted eight times zero receptions for one of the Bengals star receivers
2: and don't forget about that Miles Garrett sack on Joe Burrow absolutely as well that was a huge play and I think that's what really propelled the Browns you know to go on that scoring run yeah and and of course
1: in the immediate aftermath of that T Higgins uh pass breakup Evan McPherson missed I believe a 52 yard field goal so you know then again that just put the the Bengals defense back on field Thought the Bengals defense had a had a solid game um in all representations uh you know like I I read off to Sean's stat line he did okay with them they struggled a little bit with Nick Chubb Nick averaged 5.9 yards per carry 18 carries for 106 yards but again it's Nick Chubb right you're you're, you're expecting Nick Chubb to have a game like that uh, they gave up 206 yards on the ground in 40 carries. Uh, Jerome Ford actually got a lot of carries. 15 of them for 36 yards. He did also have a fumble, Jerome Ford, early in the game that was recovered by Chidobe Awuzie. Uh, I liked what I saw out of the Bengals defense. I think that they can be pretty happy with what they did. Again, they limited Deshaun Watson. They didn't really give him that deep ball that he looked for a few times. But Cam Taylor Britt had an outstanding game uh, at corner. He did. He, he looked like he's prying for that second year jump just like Martin Emerson. And
2: Daxton Hill with an interception yeah. as well.
1: Another guy who's got a a lot of expectations on him. It's worth mentioning that Jesse Bates was uh, NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Two interceptions and a forced fumble in his Falcons debut. That's not too shabby. Uh, but Dax Hill, obviously, big shoes to fill. I think he did a pretty good job in, in Week 1. And, you know, Trey Hendrickson had a sack. Um, there was a lot to like about what you saw for the Bengals' defense. And it was clear that they were tired towards the end of the game, and that's why the game got away from them a little bit towards the end there. And it was, the, But it, they were also the, the only reason the Bengals were in the game at all because the biggest story of this game was that Joe Burrow did not look anything like the Joe Burrow we're used to seeing for the last two seasons
2: well I think ultimately too it is just one week and we've seen this before from the Bengals you know, last year when they went 12 and 4 Joe Burrow you know slow start to the season they started what oh and, and two yeah. Yeah. yeah so you know it's it really it's not indicative of how the season's gonna go I have complete faith that the since I'm this is a Browns fan telling you this <laughs> Ethan Cedric, Ethan, I have complete faith that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to turn it around and eventually win this division. There's a reason they made Joe Burrow the highest paid player in the NFL. And when you've got what I think is the best receiving core in all of football, they're going to be just fine.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with you, Darius. I think that uh, it was a bit of a one-off, but I think my biggest worry isn't even about Burrow himself, and, and there are, I think, valid concerns about his calf. I don't know if he is 100% just yet. I think that he is still probably somewhere in the 80 to 85% range, where he doesn't feel 100% comfortable. He saw it a couple times in Cleveland, and I get that the conditions were bad, and it was rainy, and it was you know, not exactly ideal quarterbacking conditions, but there were a couple times where we're used to seeing Joe Burrow roll out of the pocket and make make plays out of structure. That didn't happen. There were times where he just threw the ball away, threw it into the dirt. He didn't take a lot of those risks we're accustomed to seeing Joe Burrow take. And that was kind of the biggest thing for me because I saw, you know, there were some plays that you know, I just was like, whoa, there had to have been something there, and he just kind of turfed it. So it's going to be something to monitor uh, next week, and we're going to talk about that matchup a little bit later on in the show where the Bengals will have their home opener uh, this Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens, already a huge early-season game with tons of importance in the division. Um, let's move on to you, Cedric. Let's talk about the Ravens. They took down the Houston Texans 25 25- to nine. Lamar Jackson was okay. He didn't exactly light it up but he was okay. Had a touchdown, had an interception. Um, What did did you like about the Ravens performance? What didn't you like about the Ravens
3: performance? Yeah first thing that I liked of course was just getting the pass rush going. Now there's a big mismatch here. Texans had three offensive linemen out and you also had a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud but Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, that linebacker duo for the Ravens Unbelievable! Each of those players coming up with a big-time sack uh, throughout the game and really forcing the Texans to only get field goals. And if you're not allowing touchdowns, you're going to win a lot of the games that you play. And despite that, the Ravens, even though they had all the injuries they had to deal with, Getting a two-score win like this one, 16-point victory, a little score action for you, 25-9, <laughs> to nine was huge. And with the new offensive scheme, I expected there to be some growing pains. And Lamar Jackson, pretty efficient through the air. We're talking 17 for 22, 169 yards. That's 10 yards per completion just about. Uh, so pretty efficient there. Also with his running number, six carries, 38 yards, so averaging about seven yards per pop over there. But the main guy that did pop, speaking of pop, Zay. Flowers rookie sensation out of Boston College he was terrific nine receptions 78 yards in his debut if it wasn't for a couple of receptions where he lost yardage in that fourth quarter catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage uh he would have he had even more yards probably near the 80 or 90 range but for the Ravens a team that doesn't hit really well on wide receivers historically and has had a lot of bust at that position uh, I feel that it really meant a lot to see Zay Flowers really shine and this is probably the most well-rounded receiving core I've ever seen the Ravens have, at least since their Super Bowl season when they had Anquan Bolden, mm-hmm. Torrey Smith, Jacoby Jones. Uh, having Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham got in the game, made some big plays too, uh, including a 29-yard reception uh, over his shoulder, which was Lamar's best throw of the day. Um, and then also Rashad Bateman, also three receptions for about 40 yards in the last game too. So having those three guys really step up without the loss of, obviously, our biggest target, Mark Andrews. Yeah, was, I think was, that really made up for it that. I was just
1: about to mention that, that, that they did that without Mark Andrews, and that That's probably Lamar's favorite guy. That's his go-to man. 100%. And, um, you know, they don't have him. It does look like he will be playing against Cincinnati this week. He has been in practice back-to-back days, usually a telltale sign that he's good to go for Sunday. Who's not good to go and who is unfortunately done for the year is J.K. Dobbins. He tore his Achilles tendon. Um, It's a real shame as somebody who loves Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, Somebody, you know, J.K. worked his way back for so long, and the injuries just keep just knocking this guy back down you got to feel for him at some point just on a mental level it really it stinks to see it you know athletes put in so much hard work to get to where they you know want to go and then for it all to kind of just fall apart like that yeah, we saw it happen with Aaron Rodgers uh the next night um it, it, it just stinks for the right Ra- and that's not the only injury it's the Ravens as well all.
3: it just feels really bad because also I met J.K. Dobbins in person at the Ravens Bengals game last season he actually stopped to talk with me and my friend Trey for a while and we were talking about yeah man we appreciate you working so hard to get through your injury uh, from the torn ACL then had to get his full leg restructured came back week 15 workhorse for the Ravens down the stretch when Lamar was out JK really stepped up his game and gave us a really good chance to win at Cincinnati late in the season Um, so your heart just goes out to that also a couple just really awful luck injuries Tyler Linderbaum one of our key players on the offensive line our center who was a first round draft pick last year got rolled up on in the fourth quarter. Ronnie Stanley, same thing happened. Mm. Both of those injuries, week to week, they definitely could have been a lot worse. So we're thankful that those guys aren't out for the season. Um, a guy that's going to be out for a very long time, though. The staple of our back end of our defense, Marcus Williams, safety for the Ravens, and losing that right before the Bengals and almost just makes you just you say, "Here we go again." <laughs> it's happened time and time again where the Ravens have lost defensive backs right before playing Joe Burrow, and Burrow he has feasted on this defense quite a few times. So people are going to have to step up. We're talking. No no Marcus Peters, or not Marcus Peters, no uh, Marlon Humphrey mm-hmm. in this game. And again, it's just tough to not have yeah, Mar- Marlon
1: Humphrey it, it seems Williams like is, is week to week he um he was injured before this game he was injured in the preseason yep. and now uh he has not practiced either of the last two days
3: it doesn't look like he's going to play no not till week three week four they didn't put him on IR so mm-hmm. he's going to be back before week four more than likely uh but that's just a tough loss too so 32 percent of the starting line that's the stat wow uh, has an injury already <sighs> just one week which I don't, at know some what point, I
1: don't know what you think about this at some point do you have to question the training staff in baltimore so yeah this they've happens fired on a fired steve saunders basis. The, yeah they
3: fired him and then they hired his protege his second in command okay. to do it i'll say this some of the injuries were just bad luck the mm-hmm. roll up on the ankles of the yep. offensive line you can't control that but it is certainly something to consider and all these injuries it just seems like a really bad streak of luck for this team and Again, that's something that's obviously the most concern. That's what made a lot of people in Ravens Nation make this feel more like a loss than a win. But with the Ravens, it's always been the next man up mentality. There's a reason why they went on that really long preseason streak. They have a lot of depth. They're well coached. And you just got to go and got to step up, especially in the AFC North. Yep. It is. And the fact that there are injuries stacking early, it's sad. But we're hoping that means people are going to get healthy late in the year, like what we saw last year with Ronnie Stanley getting healthy late. And we were at a point where we were probably as healthy as we could be for that just Bengals matchup really outside of the quarterback
1: position, yeah. And another injury that is certainly worth mentioning that we, we skipped in the Cleveland game, right tackle, uh, Jack Conklin is yeah. out for the year with a torn ACL, which is a real tough one for Browns fans' to stomach. But in the end, DeWan Jones came in and played extremely
2: well yeah, uh, exactly. on, on shore rest. Sure. I, mean, I mean, the Browns have always been known um, yeah, they could have, build you know, those lines. The build Bears, those to line have strong, yeah. strong lines, both offensively and defensively, d- defensively to protect court- the quarterback. So yeah, I mean Jack Conklin is a veteran, a veteran, yeah, that veteran presence will be missed, but. I think they're going to, I think they'll be just fine, honestly, on the line. Yeah, it's well. such
1: a solid uh, offensive and defensive front, specifically on the offensive line. When you got guys like Wyatt Teller in there, Ethan Pochett uh, uh, playing center, you know, there's so much depth and experience in that line that I don't think that anybody's worried. As much as it stinks to have a guy like Conklin go down, it's a next man up mentality. you gotta you got to be ready to go right back up.
2: And I think with the similar thing, you know, that we have in common, Cedric, with the Browns and the Ravens, is that despite, you know, a few injuries on these lines, we know that the guy, you know, calling the shots, call, calling the signals, yeah. is you know, those are good quarterbacks. You have Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson, and you know, those are our franchise guys, right? And I think you know, a lot of teams would want to be in our positions. So I think yeah. for us, we know, you know, even even you, obviously with you, even with Joe Burrow, uh-huh. right. we know that we have a guy, we have guys behind centers that can get the job done who have done it before. So and that's why you're not as concerned as say maybe like a New York Jets team. Mm
1: -hmm. And and my final kind of thing on the uh, the games from last weekend is I'm a little concerned about the Bengals offensive line still. I thought that Orlando Brown Jr. had a pretty decent game at left tackle. Again, Miles Garrett is probably the hardest assignment outside T.J. Watt that you're going to get in the league. so I thought that it was a pretty solid game from him, but again, the line just it didn't look right. There was a lot of issues. Joe Burrow had I, I did I looked this up on on PFF the average time to pressure this weekend 1.9 seconds for Cleveland. That is that is far too little. That can't happen. And look, there were only two sacks that showed up on the stat sheet, but there were a ton of throws that were just disrupted. A ton of plays that didn't go the way they were planned to because the Cleveland line got way too much pressure interior and on the exterior there's that viral clip of miles Garrett doing a freaking crossover and then he no. <laughs> and then he goes right by Ted Karras and gets it doesn't quite get Joe down but it led to an eventual sack so it, it's an issue and again when you talk about coaching Frank Pollock the Bengals offensive line coach I think that you might have to start asking some tough questions about him here if things don't go to plan over the next couple of weeks uh, let's talk about the Steelers a little bit even though they're representative ain't here it did not go too well for them this weekend 30-7 to they lose at home to the san francisco 49ers brock purdy in his return from that elbow injury in the nfc championship game 19-29 for 220 yards and two touchdowns Kenny Pickett threw the ball 46 times 31 completions 232 yards and a touchdown but 2 interceptions it it was rough especially that first half for Pittsburgh there was a lot of issues they couldn't run the ball Najee Harris is their leading rusher on the game just 31 yards on just 6 carries which is an interesting call there they were just playing behind the ball most of the game McCaffrey went off 152 yards on the ground on 22 carries and a score they just never really got back into the game even that late touchdown in the second half they just never really got within an arm's reach of of a really good 49ers team it has to be said but Pittsburgh now you know they they got to pick themselves up off the mat
3: right yeah they definitely have to i mean with this pittsburgh steelers it's always and i'll say this with the full afc north it's usually a bad sign when your quarterback is throwing over 40 passes in a game that usually means you're playing i remember in the bengals pressing.
1: browns game in 2020 the yeah. um, joe burrow's second game as a pro he threw the ball 61 times and i'm like okay this the we, week we can't do this
2: yeah, you you're not winning games sometimes. like that it's yeah. not yeah. To be sustainable fair, that's also when the bengals were winning like what for, the for bengals won four, four games team. that year yeah, exactly. So.
3: Yeah, that's right but even more just like going on it The Steelers play their best football when they can establish some sort of run game. I think about how late season they had success because Najee Harris was starting to get going, and with that Steelers Ravens game in Baltimore Sunday Night Football Week 17 last year, um, one of the most impressive things about the Steelers they established the run against a very physical Ravens rush defense, and they still were able to establish the run. They gave up on it too quickly in this game, and I know they had the pressure of being down a couple of scores early in the matchup, and I know the Niners are a tough. Out, but you got to go you got to give more than six carries to Najee Harris especially when you're talking average about five yards per pop I know it's kind of inflated by a long of 24 but if you've given him more and more carries even if you're down a touchdown or two that can help you to sustain drives you become one-dimensional and that was a big issue and I think the Matt Canada experience is going to be a lot similar to some of the us Matt with our Canada offensive coordinator experience. issues <laughs> where I talk about how mad I was about Greg Roman offense and sometimes how it got frustrating even though he was an amazing run game coordinator we did not value receivers we didn't value the pass game and we could not attract any receivers to Baltimore with him as the offensive coordinator it's getting to the point where it's becoming malpractice for the Pittsburgh Steelers on offense with the decision and I think their fans aren't going to stand for it and if they continue to do this they're going to be off to a really bad start like last year and even if they find a way to work their way to nine and eight late in the season they're going to be playing from behind and we've seen that you really—it's hard to overcome bad starts yeah. in this league. It really is. Where very, very. You good look team. at last year—the Ravens—they started off seven and three, and were eight and three, nine and four at a certain point in the year, and even if they had all the injuries down the stretch, you started strong, so now you don't have to worry about mm-hmm. it down the stretch. You just need to win one game and to
1: it, clinch it, in. The, the flip side is the Bengals. They 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 were behind the ball from the beginning, and they had to, you know, it, 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 took, them, it took them rattling off 10 wins in a row to get back even into the race. So it's it still was, trying to
3: compete for a home playoff game. Exactly. Imagine if they didn't start slow, they could have yeah. maybe hosted Buffalo.
1: Yeah, or hosted Kansas City, which would have been the big one. Of course, you know, playing in such a hostile environment like Arrowhead is, is always extremely difficult. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're looking ahead we've got games to preview two afc north interdivisional matchups this weekend we'll be right back you're listening to the sports fan live on wath Game
0: on. Fire to the end zone. Four to the nine. One to the hell. Six for the Cats. Ohio Two wins. through everybody. And he sprints. Six for the Cats. This Saturday, the Bobcats return to Peden Stadium for a matchup with Iowa State. Ball is gone. Back to the end zone. Beat Beat this this baby baby win it wide! Our coverage begins at 11 a.m. on your home for Bobcats football. Cats and clones on Saturday. Local pregame at 10. On the flagship, Pure Rock 105, XTQFM. What does Holzer mean to me? It's home. It's opportunity. It's community. It's a place where coworkers are friends and friends become family. It's a place that supports my community and a place where I know I can make a difference. Discover your opportunities right here at Holzer. Think Holzer first. Come celebrate one of America's largest native fruits, the pawpaw. The festival features three days of live music with vendors and crafters from all around the area. As a reminder, heading to the festival this year, there have been many parking changes for this year's event. It is highly encouraged and suggested to visit ohiopawpawfest.com for parking areas and free shuttle information. Shuttle locations include the Baker Center at Ohio University Lower Level and Quedell Building, 2005 East State Street in Athens. There will be no parking across the highway at Alexander Schools. Cars will be towed. America is kept safe because the Army National Guard responds, protects, and supports our nation when it needs them most. The Army National Guard responds to disasters such as wildfires and floods. They protect us with missile defense, cybersecurity, and civilian support teams for chemical, biological, and radiological hazards. Be there for your community and your country. Visit NationalGuard.com to learn more about part-time service. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Local teams, local opinions, the sports fan on 970 WATH.
1: Welcome back to Sportsman. Even Sergeant Sedgwick Ranger and Elias T. It's time for our second half of our AFC North Roundtable. Let's talk divisional matchups in Week 2. So, of course, the Browns with a 1-0 record in division, Bengals with an 0-1 record in division, and now, obviously, the Steelers and Ravens are clean as they didn't play divisional games. Let's talk Browns and Steelers first. Darius, I'm going to pretty much hand it over to you here because um, no Steeler representative to really go to war with today. Right. Um... But the Browns have a lot to look forward to. This town is going to be bouncing on Monday night when uh, the, the two, you know, probably two of the three most popular teams in Athens go head to head. You know, how do the Browns keep it going? Right? It's very easy for them to kind of let it balloon a little bit. You know, they got a big win against the, you know, the divisional winner the last two years. But now you got to come right back and play a Steelers team that's going to be fired up. They lost a, uh, you know, a tough game to San Francisco. Um, they're coming. This game is in Cleveland, correct? It's in Pittsburgh. Or it's in Pittsburgh. Okay, so Pittsburgh, you know, it's at home. It's at Akersher, Hines, whatever you want to call it. It's going to be loud on the riverfront there in Pittsburgh. Um, It's going to be a very hostile environment for Deshaun Watson for that Browns offense. Um, I I, I definitely think you need to see improvement from the Browns offense this week. And I think the big question is, how are they going to stop um, Mr. Three Sacks from last week, TJ Watt? He had a great game against San Fran. one of the few Steelers who did.
2: Yeah, the Browns are—it's de- definitely going to be a hostile environment. I had the chance—my grandfather is from the Pittsburgh area, and we had the chance to go to Ben Roethlisberger's final home game mm. at Heinz Field. And that was a regular season game, and the Steelers didn't even know if they were going to be in the playoffs that year. And that crowd was rocking. The terrible towels were everywhere. You know, it was two degrees outside, and they were—it was insane. Those fans showed up like they always do, and plus, the Browns have not won in Pittsburgh since two thousand and three.
1: In the regular Aww. in the regular season, I think it's, it's important that you mention in the regular season because they did win a pretty big that one in true. Pittsburgh in twenty twenty. Yes, yeah. So in, 2021.
2: in regu- regular regular season. I mean, I wasn't even watching Elmo when I was in two thousand three. <laughs> That's how I was small I was. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I think for the Cleveland Browns, it's understanding that one history isn't on your side, but also two. The offense was honestly not that good on Sunday. Deshaun uh, Watson, yeah, ran in for a touchdown. You had a hit one touchdown throw to Harrison Bryant. Okay, great. You, know, I, how, you can't rely on Nick Chubb all the time. My question for the Browns is, the, how do they utilize Nick Chubb? You can't overuse him, but then when you need to use him in those critical, you know, third and two, you know, fourth and one type situations, go to Nick Chubb. Get it to your best running back, best player on the team. But also, I need to see some of these receivers step up. I didn't hear a lot of Donovan Peoples-Jones or Elijah Moore on Sunday. You know, Amari Cooper had some good catches on Sunday. Uh, but again, this is you know a deeper receiving core. This is definitely a deeper receiving core the Browns have this year than last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, def- I want to see Deshaun Watson utilize those receivers a bit more, um, get David Njoku, the tight end, involved a little bit more. But then also underst- Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van help the offensive coordinator need to understand when it's time to give Nick Chubb the ball to eat let him cook (laughs) that's uh, I think that's ultimately what you gotta talk about Think about if you're the Browns because this is a depleted Steelers team. They have a chance it to is. go into Pittsburgh and start two and zero. They haven't started two and zero since 1993. Wow. Okay. It's Thirty years. Yeah. yeah 30 thank you. Years. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You,
1: you know, I, you know, you can, you know, you can rely on me to remind you about Brown stuff. Right. But uh, of course, it is an op- It's a huge opportunity because, as you mentioned, this is a very depleted Steelers team. Cam Hayward out for multiple weeks. Believe he underwent groin surgery today, so that could be a potential IR stint for Cam Hayward. He certainly. Out for Monday, TJ Watt will be there. Um, Deontay Johnson, yeah, Pat Fryermuth went down. Deontay Johnson is definitely. I don't believe Deontay Johnson is he's playing. I believe he's out Six with a with ahead. a serious hamstring injury as well. So the Steelers are limping into this matchup, even though it's Week One. And again, like we said, they didn't look great against San Fran. But then again, that's a really good defense, um, and, and this is a very good Browns defense. It's a tough start to the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I think my biggest question for the Browns this week, and you kind of touched on it at the beginning, is I need to see a little bit more out of Deshaun Watson. I, I like if that's a if that's a Bengal offense that's firing on all cylinders. I don't know if the Browns win that game yeah. because Desha- I don't think Deshaun Watson made enough big throws in that game to really win it for. Cleveland I think that
3: every quarterback though in the division last week sure
1: oh absolutely there was no quarterback that that stole the show in this division every quarterback kind of had it off weeks Lamar didn't look fantastic held the ball with a loaf of bread yeah Deshaun had his moments Burrow really didn't look good Pickett really struggled in the first half those stats you know really inflated in the second half once you know Cleveland, you know he had to throw the ball a lot to try and come from behind Pittsburgh and you know do something Against that Niner front, and also
2: Pittsburgh's offense is overall just no creativity whatsoever.
1: You got the the classic Matt no. Canada U, where they they fun. I mean, I, I, I I'm on the radio, you can't see me, but I'm holding up a U because that's how the Steeler offense runs. They do not utilize the middle of the field. Something I was annoyed about Zach Taylor against Sunday because the Bengals didn't touch the middle of the field against the Browns for some reason, even though the, I think the Browns' weakest link, weakest point of their defense is their linebackers, and you should you should be targeting you know uh, Walker Junior and guys like that and the Bengals didn't do that for some reason and I think that the Steelers have to get more creative and look when you've got that guy as your offensive coordinator I don't know if it's going to happen because Matt Cannon is very steadfast in his approach he sticks to what he thinks works it did not work against San Fran I don't know if it'll work against Cleveland but because you're again, not
2: going up against Joe Woods anymore you're exactly going up against Jim Schwartz you're going up
1: against a guy who has won Super Bowls who you know knows his way around good defense and this wasn't like it wasn't like he was strolling into a defense that just gave up a ton of points a game and there was tons of talent already on this defense they made some good pickups. I don't know. I haven't checked. Is Juan Thornhill back this week? I don't I, I don't know check. yet. I mean, but I know he, was he was out. He did not play one, against yeah. the Bengals, which was a big one and that they, they missed. And
3: they prepare for AFC North competition all the time. That's really what the big focus on. They bring in, yep. as a defensive court, your number one is you got to find a way to win your division and shut down all of your foes within mm-hmm. the league. And I think they have plans for. We saw okay. the plan for the Bengals. We're going to see the plan for the Steelers soon. We're going to see their plan for the it's Ravens. The, the easiest way to be good. You the all easiest
1: all way to get into the playoffs is to win your division, right? And uh, well, the Browns haven't done it since the AFC North was formed in its current state. The Browns won the last time the Browns won a division was when it was back in the AFC Central back in the '80s. So um,
3: Oilers. Win the yeah, the thank Oilers you, were again, in the division. Thank you for the, reminding
1: This is this is a great fun fact for all the, the Browns Ravens fans listening. Exist. The Ravens didn't exist, and the Jackson Jacksonville Jaguars have actually won the current iteration of what is the AFC Central slash North more recently than the Cleveland Browns. So look, uh, there's a real shot this year. I, I'm not discounting that. I think that we we could see a Browns team that's potentially fighting for it until the final week, a la 2020. But um, be good for the it would absolutely be good for the league. The Browns are a franchise that again, and, and that you know, fan
2: base. That I mean, I live base. 20 minutes from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And that. Fan base is like you said. So I mean, there's rabid. nothing they like they are starving. There's nothing like that privacy.
1: game against Cincinnati to get a fan base going. First uh,
3: round playoff game at home in Cleveland. Like what uh, the Kings this past year, I right? I don't
1: know if that city would survive past that weekend, Whoa. especially if they won. Oh boy. Um, let's talk about the other important divisional game that we've got going on this weekend. Sunday, one p.m. Of course, that's a Monday night football game. Steelers and Browns. That'll be live on ESPN. They got the big commentary crew. There's two. Monday Night Football games this week. Um, the Browns have the main crew of Buck and Aikman on ABC slash ESPN, or I believe it's on ASP, e, ABC, and then yeah, the
2: Saints, Panthers, Saints on ESPN, Panthers
1: is on ESPN, Browns, which is Steelers one of the, There's a couple of those Monday Night Doubleheaders this year. That game is at 8:15 on Monday. 1 p.m. on Sunday live from Paycor Stadium, Bengals Ravens, it's a big game for both teams. Bengals coming off maybe their worst performance since honestly, <laughs> I really don't like saying this probably since Cleveland away last year. Um, and now you know it, it was an uncharacteristic Joe Burrow, was an uncharacteristic receiving core coming up against the Ravens team we talked about it a little bit before the break that is you know limping into the matchup a little bit. They've got some injuries, but there's still plenty of talent on that team. A lot of that defense is is still really good. Um, Cedric, what do you think? the key for the Baltimore defense is this week?
3: Yeah, so the key for the Baltimore defense got to get pressure and utilize our linebackers. That's going to be the two big things. We have to get pressure. Without Marcus Williams and we're without Marlon Humphrey on the defensive back end, we cannot expect our defensive backs to be able to cover um, T. Higgins, cover Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd who's been really good against the Ravens historically. Um, We cannot expect those guys to cover them for a long portion of time like the Browns defensive backs were able to do. So as a result we need to get pressure And that comes down to guys like David Ajabo who had a strip sack um, last year against Joe Burrow. Um, The Ravens, they also had five um, sacks in that AFC uh, Divisional or check that wild card round game. So they did get some really good pressure. And then we're going to need some big hits, man. We just need to lay some licks on some players over the middle if the Bengals try anything just to really bring that physical advantage. I think about the last playoff game where one of the big turning points was when Kyle Hamilton absolutely destroyed one of the Bengals' tight ends on a route.
2: It was Hayden Hurst. Burks, yep, Aiden who, Burks, is, who is no, lo- no longer a Bengal.
3: Yep, and that was one that was just setting the tone physically that we're not going to get dominated defensively. And I yeah. think this Ravens team, there's a chance they play with that pride. And if they lean on their leaders, Roquan Smith. Patrick Queen, one of the best linebacker duos in all of the league. I think that is gonna play a big factor in if this Ravens defense can get some stops. The main I, goal, they gotta hold Cincinnati under twenty four.
1: There's no doubt in my mind that this Baltimore defense is gonna compete. They they absolutely did enough to win that football game back in January. You know, if if one play doesn't if one play goes Baltimore away, we could be having a very different conversation right now. And you know i think that that fueled baltimore's defense in the offseason especially when most of that defense is still in place right it, it's not a very changed defense from the one we saw uh you know 8 9 months ago in cincinnati in that wild card game you know roquan smith is the x factor like you said he is the leader of that defense the heart of that defense they paid him the big bucks for a reason sure do. and he is he is a very he's a very very special football player on the inside there right. and
3: ravens defense starts with the middle linebacker position yep. ever since the inception of of this franchise with Ray Lewis and now Roquan Smith picking up the mantle and that's a mm-hmm. hard choose to really be able to fill but we've had nobody fill it no, since I, Ray Lewis. Yeah, I think Roqu- Roquan's Roquan. probably
1: the closest you're going to get. The, the important thing for Cincinnati, you, you really can't lose this game. You lose this game, you're 0-2 in the division until mid-November. That's the next time they play a divisional game, which is actually in Baltimore. Yeah. It's that Thursday night game in week 11. It's that's Cincinnati, the next time they play a divisional game. It's
3: a night game and if Lamar's there which I'll say this, Lamar Jackson against the Bengals, he's 6-2 and two as a player. The problem is he just has he hasn't been available. Yeah. But against the Bengals, he's played fairly well in almost every game. The only bad one I really remember, that 2021 season – um, the Bengals they really had their way against the Ravens in Baltimore. That was Jamar Chase's 200-yard game. Yep. Um, Marlon Humphrey got destroyed that day, and that's one where I yeah. Think you and also I think back. the
1: bit, the real issue that day was Lamar. Just the pressure was yeah. really got to Lamar. Um, yeah, there it is. That's and, another point. Uh, I mean, you had Alejandro Villanueva really have a bad. Trey you mean Hendrick- the
3: Steelers uh, plant that yeah. they put into our <laughs> offensive line. Trey, yeah. Trey <laughs>
1: Hendrickson had himself a game in that 2021. And he one. sure
3: could today, and so he, he could here, absolutely
1: play on Sunday. He had a sack against Cleveland. He in had no, a. Ronnie Stanley,
3: no yeah. Tyler Linderbaum. So that's where it's going to be. So to who, are, the who are the guys
1: that are going to be coming in to try and stop that Bengals front?
3: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you're going to really in trouble because we're talking practice squad mm. centers coming mm. up to be our center because we use Patrick McCurry as a fill-in for every single offensive yeah. line position. So when Stanley was out, he came in at offensive tackle. And then if we lose him or we lose another guy, so we lost Linderbaum again, we're bringing up guys from the practice squad. So that's where things get really dicey. And I think that's a matchup that the Bengals can exploit. We look back at last week for the Ravens. Lamar was under duress from guys like Will Anderson. We know he's very explosive. Mm -hmm. Um, And he picked up a sack against Lamar Jackson. There always seemed to be at least one free rusher. And I think that's just a big mismatch. I don't think there's anything the Ravens really can do to nullify that too well. Aside from trying to get the ball quickly out of the hands, get it to Zay Flowers really quickly. But yeah, it's
1: really And it's it's also going to be tough to establish the run game when you know you've got a guy like, you know, Justice Hill is probably your your running back one this it week, is. unfortunately. When, when Gus,
3: I think well, Gus, well. I think we probably the physicality of Potentially
1: death. a sprinkle of Melvin Gordon as well who's on the Ravens practice squad. Yeah. Um again, it, it's just again, Baltimore's in a tough spot heading into a Cincinnati game. It seems like it's almost synonymous at this point. Um for Cincinnati, the question lies in the offense. I mean, was what we saw last week a product of Jim Schwartz and the Browns defense or is this something... That is more concerning. I lean more towards the former there. I think that Jim Schwartz did a great job of planning. The weather conditions certainly didn't help Cincinnati on the offensive side. Um, and I think that what we saw from Joe Burrow on Sunday is not indicative of the player we're going to see. F- for the majority of the season. Um, but the real question now becomes, you know, if the first couple series in Baltimore go the way they did in Cleveland, what what is the reaction like, do you think? What will the Bengals look to do to try and switch things up? Darius, you know, you saw that Cleveland defense do what it did.
2: Yeah, well, I think for the Bengals, you really have to ask, you know, you can't rely completely on the passing game. Uh, I need to see Joe Mixon a little bit more involved in the offense. I mean, last Sunday, 13 carries for 56 yards. But then the question behind that is, who's running back number two? Like, who's that going to be that second guy in the ground game for Cincinnati? Very good because question. Especially when, you know, you get to November, December, January football, it's going to be windy, it's going to be cold. And not saying that Joe Burrow can't make those th- throws. I mean, he's been to a Super Bowl and AFC Championship game, so he knows about playing in cold weather. But, you know, you got to rely on that ground game, too. So Joe Mixon, who's going to be behind Joe Mixon? Yeah. So Chris, and, Chris Evans yeah. is
1: hurt this week. It doesn't, uh, he has been out of practice last two days, so it doesn't look like he'll play. We may see the rookie debut of chase Brown. He was a healthy and active last week. I expect we see him suiting up. I don't know if he'll get any carries. I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a, a couple. It was very much RB two by committee in Cleveland. We saw Travion Williams get a couple of carries. We saw Chris Evans get a couple of carries. So it's going to be an interesting one behind Mixon. I really thought that in Cleveland, uh, it was something I didn't mention earlier. They should have run the ball more because Mixon did all right on the ground. I thought that they they got some good gains. Um you know, when they there was the one drive where they were able to run the football effectively, and then as soon as they put the ball in Burrow's hands, it it was instantly pretty much 3-and-out. Well, especially
2: and out. with that weather, too, and it's you know, yeah, cold exactly. and rainy, you got to run the football. Yeah, you,
3: it's the
1: identity of a football team.
2: Great. Teams
3: abandon it just too quickly nowadays in the NFL. I think when you look at the weather and you look at personnel, a lot of times teams, okay, look, and AFC North has a bunch of teams that are really good against the run. So you kind of feel like, okay, we don't want to try them out. But it creates balance. It kind of sets up some things like play action game. It can allow your receivers separation maybe for safeties to go downhill instead of gaining depth on the back end and that's something i just seen so many teams do it where the ravens i think they got kind of fortunate damian pierce they stopped going to him 11 yeah. carries 38 yards did ravens fantasy made some too. plays but it's just like if they continue going with the rushing attack if you can control the line of scrimmage that's going to dictate who's going to be able to control the clock who's going to be able to be really efficient on their drives is going to be huge and honestly, if I'm the Ravens, I'd try to use that run game too. I don't know if we use I, more I imagine. I
1: imagine, I was just about to say, I think that we're going to see Lamar use his legs a lot. I think that they're going to try and get creative with, you know, when you've got a guy like that, we've seen it in Cincinnati back in 2019. He had that highlight reel, basically his MVP sort of play, MVP, MVP moment, moment yeah. uh, against Cincinnati. Um, I mean, I, I think that, again, for Baltimore to win this game, they're going to have to get some grounds up front. And that Bengals defensive line is going to come in angry, right? DJ yes. Reader is still there. Right. BJ, like, BJ Hill. you know. And they did a pretty, again, a decent job. Not a great job against Nick Chubb, but a decent job. And we don't got not, necessarily
3: Nick Chubb back uh, like, there. Yeah, it's a
1: much so. different battle this week against a Baltimore team. You know, it's a much different threat than what you're getting with Cleveland. So it's going to be interesting to see. Final thoughts before we before we head to break. Yeah,
3: up. actually, I want to see um, if everyone wanted to give a little score prediction of how oh, they yeah. see these things. Um, yeah, these let's, let's start out. with Darius.
1: Darius. Darius, give us a, I mean, there's no Steeler representative, but give us a Steelers-Brown score.
2: Well, I'm going to take the Brown. I think they're gonna take 27-20. I think. Okay. Something like that. I think the Steelers will be, play a much better game. This uh, well, well, well,
1: we'll all predict both games. So go
2: ahead. Do do Ravens-Bengals. Ravens-Bengals. As well. Bengals. Cedric, I don't know. I think this might be a Bengals blowout. Blowout. Wow. Blowout. I, I, I think the Bengals might take this one. Uh, I think it'll be a close first quarter. I'm gonna say final score: Bengals 35, Ravens. Seventeen. Wow. Oh, all right.
3: Points. Ouch. Wow. All right. We'll Take see.
1: Defense. Cedric. What do you got for both games?
3: Yeah. So first off, I actually think the uh, Cleveland Browns they get a close win in Pittsburgh. I think this is a year where we're seeing a lot of these streaks kind of come to an end all over the place, mainly on the college football landscape. But I think they do it in the NFL. Give me the Browns to win a tight one, low scoring, a slobber knocker, twenty to sixteen. <laughs> Uh, and then on the other side of things, us is one where I don't think this game is in the Ravens' favor too much, and it won't be a game where we will panic. This is at Cincinnati. Tough ask. You lost a lot of players. I just want to see the Ravens really play well here. And I think they fall 23-20. to 20. They come up just short. Competitive game. Very similar to the playoff game yeah. a lot of ways last year. But I think we maybe turn over the ball in a really unopportune mm-hmm. spot. Uh, Burrow God, looks gosh, like yeah. Burrow again. And I think Jamar Chase and Tee against both big bounce-back games. I think, let's say, Joe Burrow goes for at least over 250 yards passing.
1: Yeah, I like that call. Um, I'm going to start with Cleveland. I think it's classic AFC North battle. Not a lot of points. That's what that means. I think we're going to see a defensive battle. Um, give me Cleveland. Cleveland by six, 16-10. I'm going Browns. We'll see if that becomes a curse. We'll see if we curse the Browns. Might as well curse the Bengals too. Um, Wait, if there's anyone I'm, who
2: suffers from a Browns curse, it's me. So we, all, we all agree on our team. Yeah, so I, I'm but going
1: Cincinnati the as well. For
2: the fun
3: of
1: um, I'm going, let's see, I'm going 27-23 Cincinnati. I think it's like Cedric said, it's going to be a close game. It's going to come down to a play or two. You know, uh, a moment here, a pass break up there, something, something important in the game um, you know we'll flip it one way or the other and it could very easily just as easily fall in baltimore's favor it's gonna pretty much wrap it up for our afc north section of the show but we got more football to talk about don't go anywhere you're listening to the sports fan live on wath
3: tune in friday night for the Athens county game of the week on pure rock
0: 105 This week, it's a battle of teams looking to get on track in the TVC Ohio as Alexander and Wellston square off at Boston Field. Coverage will
1: start at 5 p.m. with Football Friday kickoff with the coaches show at 6.30 and kickoff at
2: 7. It's the Golden Rockets and the Spartans, Friday on Pure Rock 105.
0: McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Hamburglar, the time is yours. He said, these are McDonald's best burgers ever. And then, can I keep them?
2: And then he just grabbed them and ran away.
0: Revel in this offer exclusively on the McDonald's app. Enjoy a double cheeseburger or bacon McDouble and receive a medium fries and soft drink for free. Prices and participation vary. Offer valid 9-4 through 10-22. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: Hello football fans, this is Voice of the Bulldogs, Cedric Granger, and this Friday, Athens looks to keep up their winning ways on the road against the Vinton County Vikings. Can Alex Piero and the Bulldogs get the win in McArthur? Find out this Friday. You can catch the action with me and analyst Matt Frazee at 6.45 p.m. on 970 W.A.T.H.
0: Now, for more of The Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Uh.
1: Uh. Uh. Day and night bringing uh. us back in here. A little bit of kid uh. cuddy. It's not uh. exactly what it's used to playing on this station, but we'll take it here. And The take Sports it. Fan. Represents
3: the NFL games, you know. You yeah. got the uh, Ravens Bengals in the day and yeah, uh, Steelers Browns at the night. of you
1: know? course as a pretty big football game coming to Athens on Saturday though and I think we have to at least spend a few minutes talking about it because the Ohio Bobcats coming off this emotional high beating FAU on the road 17 to 10 last Saturday host a power 5 program this week they welcomed the Iowa State Cyclones to town. Matt Campbell's led Cyclones. They fell to their main rivals. Iowa twenty-three to twenty last week, I believe, or was it twenty-three to ten? Yeah,
3: it was like some sort of backfield cover situation. Yeah. Iowa State, they put together a couple of touchdowns late twenty to
1: 2013. thirteen.
3: Twenty to thirteen. Like, I have, it was not first, that close <laughs> in real life. It was probably twenty Yeah I,
1: Iowa's or defense or looked really good and they did enough on offense again. You know that's been the thing is can they do enough on offense Iowa? They did. I Iowa State, you know, coming in limping a little bit with all of these bans with the the gambling and the banning. You know, their their quarterback Hunter Deckers is not playing this year because of those gambling bans. Um, there's a couple other players that have missed time or are not playing because of this gambling situation. Um, and it's a team that again that's limping into Athens a little bit. And I think it sets up a potential for a potential upset for the Bobcats. They're they're fiery. They're confident. They've won two in a row Um, what needs to happen and what needs to happen for the Bobcats this week what do you guys think
3: yeah it's kind of funny that we've had the AFC North show today because I think this game could end up being very similar to an AFC North like game these both of these teams despite Ohio of course Curtis Rourke being a high-flying offensive team for a majority of last year ever since his injury The Bobcats have been really more of a defensive team over that span, and they've kept a lot of low-scoring games. We can even look at just kind of how the game's flow has been throughout this. This could also be because some of the changes in terms of the clock rule in the NCAA. But 20-13, 27-10, 17-10 are your first three score lines for the Bobcats. So if they can win, they need to keep a low-scoring defensive battle. I think they could certainly hold back this Iowa State offense. Not worried about that. It's really just going to come down to this. Can they avoid turning the ball over against Iowa yeah, State? And,
1: and can we see Curtis Rourke play his best football? I think that's my thing. Um, my key to this game is can this offense maintain time of possession? Can they keep the ball out of Iowa State's hands? And can they maintain drives? Darius, what's your key to this game?
2: Yeah, Cedric, so you were talking about the Bobcats defense, and I think the guy at the forefront of that is going to have to be Bryce Houston. Yeah. Um, he has had an incredible start to this season, already with 14 solo tackles and 14 assisted tackles. I think weeks ago he was like what number three in the nation in total tackles, tackles or something yeah. like that. So he has had an amazing start to the year. And I think the rushing game is, you know, that's something that Ohio has really relied on these last couple of years with Oshawn Allison and then CA Bangura had a huge year last year. Um, and he's averaging a little over seventy two rush p- yards per game so far this year. So I think I think that's why the Bobcats have had success even with this kind of fluctuation at quarterback is because they've, you know, got that reliance on the ground game and on the defense yeah, that's led had- by Brian that's one saying.
1: thing that Tim, Tim Albin said pregame is, you know, everybody's talking about the offense right now, or not pregame, excuse be preseason, was that by the time week four or five rolls around, we're going to be talking about this defense. And I, I think that he's right in that assessment. I think that this defense has given up, I think, something along the lines of about 35 total points. I mean, obviously the pick six against FAU doesn't count against them. And they gave up five rushing yards against FAU, five Five rushing yards. That, that that that's almost doesn't sound real. So it's going to be a real the fun one. was a defensive touchdown. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be a really, really fun football game in Athens. If you're here, get to Peden Stadium because the atmosphere is going to be electric. That's 12 p.m. And if you can't make it, it'll be live on national television. ESPNU will have that game for you. We're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, it's hot pick time. I'm on a roll. Let's get you guys some money. We'll be right back on the Sports Fan. Rolls to his left in the
0: Wisconsin 20. Looks back to the right. Dumps it on the right side. Wide open the nine. Stover, and he bulldozes his way into the end zone for his first collegiate touchdown. Cade Stover on a 13-yard pass play. This is the voice of the Buckeyes, Paul Keel. Saturday, Ohio State plays host to Western Kentucky. We'll be on the air with the AEP Energy Buckeye Pregame Show beginning at 2.30 p.m. here on the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. From Gruiser Realty and Building, it's Larry Conrath, the only Larry Conrath in real estate. Larry Conrath,
2: he sells houses. Larry Conrath, he sells houses. Larry Conrath, he sells houses, farms, and acreage, too. For the only Larry Conrath in real estate, please call 591-3015. 5913015. What was that number? It's 5913015. Call the only Larry Conrath in real estate. 5913015. Come celebrate one of
0: America's largest native fruits, the pawpaw. The festival features three days of live music with vendors and crafters from all around the area. As a reminder, heading to the festival this year, there have been many parking changes for this year's event. It is highly encouraged and suggested to visit OhioPawPawFest.com for parking areas and free shuttle information. Shovel locations include the Baker Center at Ohio University Lower Level, Enquidel Building, 2005 East State Street in Athens. There will be no parking across the highway at Alexander Schools. Cars will be towed. This week on Football Friday Kickoff. It's time for contenders to set the tone of their conferences. We'll look at big games in the SOC 2, TVC Hawking, and TVC Ohio. Plus, we'll see which of our coverage teams are in the newly released AP polls. All this and more on Football Friday Kickoff, live from the Holzer Health System Studio. Friday at 5 on Piroc 105 WXTQ. This is The Sports Fan on
1: 970 WATH. Oh, we got we to gotta speed through these here real quick because we, we come back to Rice. Hot pick of the week or hot pick of the day. What you got?
2: Yep, Colts, well, Texans, week two. Indies a minus. Uh, they're one point favorites. I'm going to take the Texans in this one. I think Sunday's draft picks his first one. Cedric, what about you? Memphis minus 13 against Navy tonight. The Memphis
3: offense has been humming early. They might not have a lot of possessions, but I think they're efficient with it.
1: Love it. I am going to stick with the NFL. I'm going to go to the game tonight between Minnesota and Philadelphia. Minnesota missing two starters on the offensive line. That Philly front is... Scary good with Jalen Carter racking up eight pressures last week. Madison's not running the football. Under 48 and a half rushing yards for Alexander Madison tonight is going to be my hot pick. Wow. We got through a lot on the sports fan, guys. Thanks for joining us. Darius Sethna, Cedric Ranger. There's a lot. We, we got through a lot on the show. Man, any, any football games, we got about 30 seconds. Football games you're excited for this weekend.
3: There's a lot that I'm jumping at the bit for. I think this week is kind of one of the quiet weeks, but you know, my friend James, the big Mississippi state guy, LSU and Mississippi state.
1: Yeah, that should be a fun one. Football Friday night tomorrow. Tons of high school football action. Be there. Thanks for listening. Go to the Sports Fan for Darius Sethna. For Cedric Granger, I've been Ethan Sargent. Have a great Thursday night.